Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. It's a new year, but unfortunately, much of the upheaval from 2020 seems to be sticking around. We can't stay in crisis mode forever, and now is the time to return to crucial discussions around corporate governance. Namely, how to embed sustainability into the DNA of all companies, not just a few frontrunners. As the world begins to recover from the pandemic, there is an opportunity to make good progress and level the playing field between responsible actors and those that disregard their environment. I'm very excited to be joined by Mathilde Mesnard, Deputy Director for Financial and Enterprise Affairs at the OECD, or Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, to discuss the global debate around corporate governance. We touched on the work that is being done at EU level to make these changes a reality last November, when we interviewed Olivier Boutelis-Taft, CEO at Accountancy Europe. That episode is a good companion to this discussion, and I suggest you give it a listen. Thank you for joining us today, Mathilde. Can you please introduce yourself and the OECD's work on corporate governance? Thank you. Good morning. I'm very happy to join you for this discussion because I do think that these, these reforms on corporate governance are super important, including to build back better, as, as we say these days uh, about the COVID crisis situation. So I'm Mathilde Menard. I'm the D Deputy Director of the Directorate for Financial and Enterprise Affairs at the OECD. And that's the directorate that deals with business and finance, uh, from financial markets to competition, investment, anti-corruption, corporate governance, responsible business conduct, etc. And myself, I'm supervising directly everything that is related to business conduct. Thus, I work our work on anti-corruption, RBC, and corporate governance. I've been at DOCD for 20 years, and uh, my passion is uh, like to make a change happen by questioning the way we think, the way we look at issues, and trying to develop new visions, new frameworks, building coalitions to make change happen. At the OECD, you know that uh, we are the home to the Global Corporate Governance Standard, the G20 OECD principles for corporate governance. They were originally adopted in 1999. You have to remember this date. And they have been updated five years ago in uh, 2015. Now they constitute an international policy benchmark on corporate governance. They help policymakers evaluate and improve their legal, regulatory, and institutional framework for corporate governance. What we do at the OECD with these standards, like we convene policymakers and experts under our corporate governance committee, which is mandated uh, with monitoring the, the implementation of the principles. So basically, what we do is to track progress and advise on future direction when it comes to corporate governance practices and challenges. But I must admit that we have not kept track really with the current deep changes and reforms that are boiling in corporate governance, especially at the EU level, at the OECD. We more like we do track the incremental changes in areas such as board composition, board diversity, remuneration, risk management, etc. All these areas where we do see a lot of changes in, in OECD uh, jurisdictions. But the more fundamental deep change or basculement, you know, of the core of the corporate governance model as it has developed in the 90s. I must say that we are so far keeping away from embracing this change and this discussion at the OECD for a lot of reasons that have to do with the governance of the OECD itself, some vested interest or some 
I would dare to say, outdated vision of some of the OECD staff or delegates in our committee. So basically the usual, you know, recipe explaining resistance to change. I think it's an interesting point to talk about how incremental change versus fundamental change work. Hmm. And it's interesting to see the balance between the incremental changes that the OECD has been um, shepherding through, whether or not they are sufficient to reach our goal of a more fundamental, more holistic view of what the company's role is in, in our society. We also try to address these broader fundamental changes that we see need to happen um, at the corporate level. And we'd love to hear your reaction to our paper, 10 Ideas to Make Corporate Governance the Driver of a Sustainable Economy. I, I do think that this paper is really right in, in the sense that first it recognizes the urgent need to rethink corporate governance more fundamentally and to rethink, to do so, to rethink the role, responsibilities and potential of business and of government in uh, ensuring sustainable and resilient growth. And the current crisis with the COVID has made this need even clearer. And now politically, nobody can discuss the fact that we need to build back differently. And I do think that corporate governance is at the heart of this change in the role of business that we need to do. And there are many drivers for change these days. I do think that there has been in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, a decrease in the trust in enterprises. The businesses are not the only one. The, the general public has also lost trust in governments in many things, but including in enterprises. There have been a number of high-profile corporate failures and a rising concern about the fact that companies, they don't pay enough attention to long-term sustainability. So... The crisis, the current one, the COVID one, has further sharpened these questions and expectations. And including because the very vast amount of public money that was spent and is still spent by governments to keep markets functioning. So if you spend a lot of money to protect business from insolvency, etc., the governments are expecting some change in behavior, and rightly so. So there is, there is, in general, a lot of call for more responsible capitalism where it's the company's health and not the wealth of shareholders that is or that should be the priority. And this goes with the criticism of the current corporate governance model. And this model is based on one hypothesis is that the board and managers are the agents of the shareholders. And to my view, it's a wrong view but somehow it has been nevertheless dominant in the last two or three decades. What I do think is that boards and managers are the agents of the company, and it has always been true, but it has been somehow forgotten in the last 30 years. In the last two or three years, we have seen statements like uh, the Business Roundtable Statement or the WEF New Davos Manifesto or the recent report in France of the Institut Montaigne on responsible capitalism, etc. All these reports or statements, they are fueling the debate over the role and responsibility of the corporation and of the corporate leadership. This also resonates with a couple of reforms in a number of countries, OECD countries, for example, in France, the Loi Pacte in May 2019, that is instituting entreprise à mission, uh, with a raison d'être, or in the UK, the move to the purpose discussion, the work that is done at Oxford on the future of the firm, 
And it's also worth noting that the UK corporate governance reform aimed at inter alia helping boards take better account of stakeholders' views. So there are many voices, both in governments, but also in the business more broadly, that are calling for profound change in the corporate governance model. We can be hopeful, I think, that there will be a positive and upward trend in uptaking of these reforms. We do see a lot of incremental changes, but they are not fast enough in light of today's challenges, because they are missing a system, a more systemic or more integrated approach. And that's why also the paper of Accountancy Europe, I think, is really right, because it is calling for this integrated approach. What we have been doing in the last year is fixing the symptoms of what is deriving from a fundamentally wrong vision of what is a fear and how it should be governed. At the OECD, we have been tracking the trends, we have been tracking the changes in the legal and regulatory frameworks, and we see some strong movements in four important areas. For example, in terms of the board's independence, we see a lot of strengthening of the independence requirements asking the board to be independent from management, but also from significant shareholders, asking a separation between the CEO and the chair. We see a lot of change also in terms of board diversity, and it's a very important and needed change. We see change in terms of also a remuneration and no regulation of board and key executive remuneration has become commonplace. Many jurisdictions have introduced general criteria on the structure of remuneration, etc., etc. That we are still topping at the level of really questioning the fundamental hypothesis of our models and fundamentally changing our corporate model. And I think that's what we need to do. And that's why I agree with the paper of Accountancy Europe that is calling basically for more radical and more profound change. It calls for this holistic perspective that we need to have. The biggest thing that has happened between when the paper was released and now is, of course, the pandemic. And up until the pandemic, it seemed to be okay for companies to work on this incremental basis, slowly making gestures towards improvement without kind of fundamentally changing the shape or the course that the business was on which is why I feel that hopefully the pandemic does offer an opportunity to make those more fundamental changes. But I think a lot of businesses are, are in crisis right now. A lot of companies struggle at the moment and they can take this one of two ways. They can use this as an opportunity to change how they work, to embrace a more sustainable view, to incorporate the externalities that they're using or they could say, no, we're in a panic right now. We just need to do what we do and do it well. And I think we begin to see as the world tries to cope with everything, companies going in different directions on this one. From your perspective, how do you feel things have changed over the past year? I agree with you that the crisis makes the need to change more obvious. We are in a very dire situation with a lot of exploding unemployment, probably a wave of insolvencies that has already begun. So yes, uh, the companies are in a crisis situation and basically in a crisis situation, you can have, as you mentioned, two reactions like that is very shortened, just try to survive. And one that is maybe a more long-term one and try to really reflect on what is our role as a company, what is the, the mission of the company and how we can 
build back better. And here again, I think now politically and in terms of vis-a-vis -vis all your stakeholders, that means your employees, but also your clients, your suppliers, the communities in which you are, you know, embedded, what you need to do is to be more sustainable. Everybody's asking for that and to be more inclusive. And to achieve this change, corporate governance, it's really at the heart of this endeavor because corporate governance, it's the way decision-making is organized within the company, who has the power to decide on what, how the pe these people who have the power to decide on things are held accountable to their decisions and how the profits are shared. So it's really the fundamental social slash business contract, you know, that is defined by the corporate governance framework. This fundamental contract is really at the heart of the current corporate governance debates and reforms. And now the crisis makes this necessity to rebuild the corporate governance that is more sustainable, just an obvious proposition. Even though it's challenging because companies are, they have a lot of short-term priorities to deal with, you know, they are in a crisis mode. But the only way out of this crisis is to rebuild a more sustainable corporate governance system. We will be discussing the role for audit committees in the future in a, this uh, new corporate governance model. What are your thoughts on the roles for audit committees? I do think that this role could only increase, but somehow enlarge, because what is now really the center of uh, focus or attention, it's really this ESG data to build up how to make sure that companies do disclose ESD data that is meaningful, that is uh, reliable, that is comparable, etc. So we have this huge battle of norms around this ESG topic. There, of course, the role of the audit committee is crucial, but because this data is beyond the traditional, you know, finance information, maybe the audit committee should include different type of expertise that only the purely financial one or audit in the narrow sense of it. So I do think that this topic of ESG disclosure, it is at the heart of the change of model that I was uh, discussing, and it implies a change in the focus of the audit committee, or at least an enlargement of its uh, responsibilities. And here there is a big battle that is currently happening about the, the construction of a new norm. And here you have an important card to be played by Europe, because if you are the first one to move in an area, you can influence the new norm. And that's what Europe is doing these days. What's interesting, I think, in the right moment that we are in is that the US administration, the new US administration is likely to step in this area also. And for the obvious reasons that they would like not to have to follow the EU, but they would like to influence right. the global norm. So I do think that the, the, the coming months will be super important in terms of defining this new ESG norm. And I do think that the, the audit committees will have a prime role in building it, in implementing it, and in giving the credibility of the information that will be disclosed by companies. Do you have any other thoughts that you would like to share? I'd like to share two points. One is on the current discussion on the need for having comply or explain versus mandatory measures, because it's a hot debate today in corporate governance. And clearly the beauty 
of complying explain model is that they provide for flexibility. They allow markets and companies to function effectively and be able to adapt to new expectations of their stakeholders, of their shareholders, etc. So the main argument in favor of these comply and explain models is that they allow one size not fit all approach to implement the corporate governance frameworks. And it allows each country to have a unique mix of legislations, regulations, also self-regulatory arrangements, voluntary commitments, etc. And these are tied to a country's specific circumstances, specific history or legal traditions, etc. So they have been very much used and praised, these comply and explain methods or models. And at the OECD, for example, we have worked specifically on flexibility and proportionality of the corporate governance models. And we have seen that most countries have criteria that allow for this, for flexibility, for proportionality at company level. And mostly for board composition, for which type of board committees you need to have, uh, for board qualifications. And these flexibility or proportionality requirements, they account for the size of the company, for their listing status, obviously, but also their different legal forms or ownership and control structures. So we do have a lot of that, of flexibility, proportionality in our current frameworks. But to ensure that these and flexible approaches work well, we need to make sure that they are monitored, that they are enforced. And that's the weakness of the comply or explain models, that we need to make sure that there is consistent, that there is effective enforcement. And so far, it's not the case always. Let's put it this way. Sanctions are needed to ensure proper enforcement and to ensure a real level playing field, and it's not always the case. Sometimes, or in some circumstances, you need to have some mandatory measures. For example, when there is an urgent need to change behaviors in some areas. We have seen, for example, on the topic of women on board, of diversity of board, etc. We have seen that we needed to go to some mandatory measures to accelerate change, and it has worked. And I do think that for some issues these days, to move more quickly towards a more sustainable corporate governance system, we need also to make some things mandatory. That's the current debate with the EU initiative on mandatory due diligence, you know. And I do think that adoption of such mandatory measure in this case would be the best, the biggest driver of change. Currently, what you see is a weak level of voluntary implementation by companies of due diligence based on international standards like the one we have at the OECD with our due diligence guidance. I do think that we should ensure or include mandatory measures to make sure that companies do undertake due diligence in line with these standards too, so that they identify and they address harms to people, to the planet, to society in their supply chains. We see that there is an increased uptake of mandatory measures on this topic. Legislation such as, for example, the Modern Slavery Act in the UK or the due diligence law in France. Also, regulations on, on minerals supply chains at the EU level, but also in the US. So there is this trend towards mandatory measures. And I think it's a good trend because that's one area where we need to accelerate change. Would you have a, a closing thought to end this interview with? I would like to highlight the role that the OECD could play in this uh, building up of a new norm 
and a new corporate governance model. I do think that there's a lot happening at the EU level these days, and the US might enter this debate now that we have a new administration. That's where the OECD can play a role of a bridge between the EU members and the North American members, but also with our Asian members. Having these discussions at the global level is critical to ensure that we build a model that will provide a level playing field for the global business to function. Thank you so much for your time today. It was a fascinating discussion, and I look forward to, to hearing more about what's going on at OECD level in corporate governance. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at Andrea at AccountancyEurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.